From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host. All right, welcome to the third podcast of 2021. This is Kenny Dossie, Deputy Chief of the Emergency Operations Bureau. Uh, quick overview for today. I've got Assistant Chief uh, Randy Black with me. Good morning. And uh, I'll be talking about the Fullerton bid a little bit. We'll go into the enhancement, uh, the staffing schedule, uh, station coverage memo that was sent out, and then Chief Black will elaborate on EMS post city gate, the next academy, engineer testing, captain testing, and battalion chief testing. Talk a little bit about paramedic school, and then we'll jump ahead into a review of an SOP and a safety update. So that's what's on the agenda for today. And uh, like all podcasts, um, I'm going to start with uh, why are we doing this? Uh, and again, I've said this before, but it's just another way for us to communicate. I, I know that the SOPs and the general orders and handbooks are important, and that's the way that we communicate in this organization. But um, some of the other stuff, like the station visits that we're now doing, uh, Ask the Chief video, and now this podcast seem to be uh, a way to get information out and passed up and down the chain of command. So... Thanks again for listening. Uh, jumping into the first uh, topic is the Fullerton bid. Uh, as most of you are aware, the city of Fullerton officially asked us for a bid uh, to provide fire services to the city. Uh, we assigned Chief Capobianco um, as the project lead. Um, he has put together a team to work through all the different details uh, that are required uh, when you're providing uh, all fire services to a city. So each section in OCFA has uh, put together um, a list of needs and questions for the city of Fullerton. That's like fire prevention, ECC, EMS, fleet. Um, basically all submitted these questions to the chief. Um, chief Capobianco has uh, taken those questions over to the city of Fullerton and just recently has gotten all the answers. This city is a pretty thin staffed right now, not only in the fire department, but in the rest of the city. So it did take a little while to get that information uh, all filled in and, and, and complete. But uh, that's now done. They do have a new uh, city manager. So the city manager that was there when the bid process, or they asked us to perform the bid process, um, was someone different. So they got somebody new that he's dealing with there. But he has all the information. Uh, he's compiling the answers to those questions, and then at the same time, they're working on it operationally how we'll provide the actual day-to-day uh, -day services there. I know they have a few different options that they're working through. Um, you know, that you just constantly run into to different issues when you're when you're uh, putting together one of these bids. And I'll just give you a quick example: is a truck company only fits in two of their six stations, so we're trying to figure out what the best overall service will be. Um, the end result should be in from 90 to 120 days. Now we could extend that because it did take a little time to get all the information, but the target right now is the 120 days. And before we would give the bid to um, the city, you know, our board would need to approve it first, then it would go to their board, uh, and then we'd go from there. So um, that's the update on the city of Fullerton. They'll probably have a little bit more information here in the next... Uh, 30 to 60 days uh, moving forward. 
The second topic that uh, I was going to discuss today uh, has to do with uh, an enhancement uh, to the specialty units. And specifically, we're talking about HAZMAT and the TRT program. So what the goal is, is to go to constant staffing on all the TRT trucks and the HAZMAT units. And when we're doing this, you sit back and think and you go, well, that's going to probably create more forces and we don't want to do that. That's the reason originally we had uh, a position on there that was not HAZMAT or TRT certified. But uh, getting together uh, and working in collaboration with the local, we think we've got a pretty good plan to not only help staffing, but to also enhance our services. So some of the bullet points, and, and if you saw the memo, it's already been sent out, but I'll just review those real quick, is the program manager, we're going to try to fill some of those long uh, AAs when possible. Um, we're going to hire backfill based on availabilities first, and then those members qualified in that rank first. Then we will move a member that's over on, on backfill somewhere, uh, firefighter rank first, and then work down, which is new. Uh, then we would hire based on availabilities in the qualified uh, specialty work down. Then we would force. And the last would be to move somebody in a post position that's not, say, in hazmat. They, they're a hazmatter, but their post position is, let's just say, engine two. Uh, we could slide them over. That would be the last to try to fill those positions. Additionally, uh, we looked at VPs. Um, Total VPs and staffing will be six for a person, and then total per day, there'll be 10 as captain, 10 as engineer, and 20 as firefighter. So we think overall this in staffing enhancement will be good for staffing, but it'll also be good for the service uh, on HAZMAT and TRT. Okay, next uh, topic that I have here is uh, the memo that I sent on on daily uh, station coverage memo. Uh, this was sent to the division chiefs and battalion chiefs, and it has caused... Um, a, a lot of questions that have come back at me. And I, I think the important part here is to realize that um, there's a lot going on in the organization training-wise, and we think that's important. We want everybody to train daily. We want everybody to get better at their craft. But the amount of units that were going out of service to train uh, was getting excessive. Um, so the thought process behind this was we have 11 battalions. We can have one empty station per battalion. That gives us, you know, gives us 11 units out of service going to TAG or EMS TAG or doing whatever mandatory training is going on. Um, everyone else should try to stay in service um, as much as possible so we, only have, so we have great coverage uh, within the department. Remember, our number one priority here is to be available and to respond to calls. But with that being said, we know that units do need to go out of service occasionally for training or driving up to headquarters for FGS, which are all super important. So that was the intent. Um, well, I know it can't always be done, but if we try to do it and we manage it that way, um, everybody should understand the intent. All right. Uh, and next, uh, I would like to introduce Assistant Chief uh, Randy Black. Um, thanks for being on the podcast uh, we appreciate you being here. Uh, I think probably the easiest way for this is just to give us a little background, you know, about yourself and your fire service career, kind of like the general question that they ask the firefighters when they first, or captains or engineers or whoever else, when you're getting interviews, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, first off, um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to, to talk with everybody out there and hopefully, 
you find uh, the information that we share today to be useful. Um, not this this first topic being myself, not very interesting, but I'll try and make it uh, quick here. Um, started my fire service career in 1985. I think most people know I started in Santa Ana Fire Department and went full-time in 1986. Um and then uh, kind of came up through the ranks and uh, became a chief officer in 2003. So been a chief for a little while, um, operated in numerous positions um, throughout my career. Um, I have a bachelor's degree in public administration and um, that's it. Okay, well thanks Randy, I appreciate that, uh, that introduction. Um, I think my first question for you is pretty straightforward, but so what are some of the updates to the EMS section? Um, and kind of specifically, I know, post-CityGate report. Okay, so specifically post-CityGate report, obviously CityGate came in and did an exhaustive review of the EMS department. Um, much of this information that CityGate um, found, um, verified, and, and validated. What we already knew was that we, we there was some work to be done, um, for sure. Um, but it was always it's always good to get a third party view, uh, an objective view of yourself, um, so that uh, you know what you're looking at is is valid and and it's um, it's accurate. So. I think I'll take just a couple things. Um, the CityGate report, the final report came out in April of 2020. So obviously we all know what was going on in April of 2020. There was a lot of COVID going on. So um, not everything has been implemented and not everything had the ability to be implemented in the midst of everything that was going on with COVID. One of the things we were able to do um, was to add an additional EMS training captain position. Um, that occurred before the final report came out because we knew we needed that position anyway. So um, that position was added in the 2020-21 uh, budget. And that is the position that Captain Knacker holds now. Um, specifically in the CityGate report, one of the things we knew we needed to work on was our CQI, our Continuous Quality Improvement Program. And that was probably the largest section that the CityGate report um, came out and had findings in. Um, to, be, to be real simple about it, our CQI was not up to state standards. It just um, it lacked um, the comprehension that the state requires of a system as large as we are. You know, if you think about EMS and the, the things that we do out in the field, um, we are pre-hospital care administrators of a huge system with, with over a thousand people working in it. And uh, because of that, the state has some model guidelines and requirements for us, and, and we just weren't quite meeting those requirements, and we weren't following some of the guidelines. And we've been able to revamp the, the entire EMS um, department. And one of the things that we've done in the restructuring of the EMS department that was cited in the CityGate report was we put together a uh, continuous Im improvement division within the department. And that has three people, a sworn uh, captain and two of the nurses that focus have been focusing here in the last 
year with putting together our CQI plan. Um, the next step to that, we'll be starting to implement what some of the CQI plan does. I think recently you saw um, some just-in-time training dealing with hypoxia. That's the kind of things that will come out of the findings um, of a CQI program. And I think that's a good example of, of some real success. The, um, the CityGate report goes on into some details along with that. Um, I won't I won't bore you with all of the details, um, but certainly one a couple of the recommendations that they made was um, to build a a robust CQI program. I think we are well on our way to doing that, putting in some markers for success so that we know that we're doing a good job, and. I think most of the folks that might listen to this podcast are probably pretty well informed. Um, there's a lot of scrutiny going on right now, up and down from the state level all the way down to the county level into the performance of fire-based EMS. And um, our quality improvement program is, is, uh, is a part of that scrutiny. We have to be able to stand up and say what we're doing it has a standard to it, it's quality, it's high quality, it's good efficiency, and um, I, I'm going to get more comfortable with us saying that as we get this um, program built out, and, and that's a big, part of, a big part of that. One of the other big areas that the CityGate report noted was that we lacked field practitioners, field firefighter paramedics, and field firefighter EMTs within the training department. Uh, we rely and have relied heavily on um, the nurse educators, and they are a valuable part to the entire department of EMS and to the training that takes place. I think all of you respect and know your nurse well and, and know that they are a valuable resource but um, the CityGate report pointed out that we uh, would value and find, would find value in bringing in some of the field personnel into the training. So obviously, you know, comes with that, comes uh, budget impacts. And like I mentioned earlier, we have been able to increase that by one sworn person in EMS, and that's an EMS training captain. Um, but um, the plan has three other additional field personnel to the final plan. Um, and, and obviously that's a significant budget impact to be able to do that. But we are moving in the right direction. We have increased that by one. The overall CityGate plan and report increased the EMS um, department by 11 personnel. And obviously, you can't do that in one year, and obviously, you can't do that without a significant budget impact. So that's the balancing act when it comes to putting people in place. Um, we've done a lot of work, like I mentioned, on the programs and the structure within EMS, which I think has been um, well-received um, and, and has added some efficiency within EMS. Um, but the people will come as the budget um, availability um, is there. Um, I think those are probably the highlights without getting into too much detail. I appreciate that update. I think that was good for everybody. Um, my second question for you is, uh, you, you being in charge of training now, and I know that Academy 52 just finished, 
Um, what's the plan moving forward with maybe the next academy or the academy after that? Um, tell you what, let's uh, just give you a little rundown. Remember, these are all tentative dates. They can be moved around a little bit. But right now, our tentative plan, we have uh, the FAE Academy 33 is in the works right now. And it's running from June 26th to August 19th. And we're, uh, we have 12 people in that academy, and we're hopeful that all 12 will be um, put on the uh, promotional list. Academy 53 starts right after that, August 30th, and should be getting out to the field in uh, early December, December 9th or thereabouts. Um, we're still discussing if we're going to do another fire engineer um, recruitment. That recruitment would take place in the month of November, December for an academy in January if we do one. Um, we haven't made a decision on that yet. More to follow, and we will certainly be putting that out for everybody to get prepared. Um, if you are thinking about being an engineer, you might want to think about a um, November, December flyer and testing pro um, process. Um, we've got the Girls Empowerment Camp scheduled for February 25th through the 27th, um, 2022. We're already in 2022 now. Uh, we got uh, Firefighter Academy 54 slated right now for February 28th, 2022, running through June 16th. Um, the captains and the BC academies will be follow, following the engineer academy. We don't have exact dates for them, but we would imagine that the captains would be in the January-February time period and the BC would be in the March-April time period for those academies and testing process. And then uh, Firefighter Academy 55 will be in August of um, 2022. And we have not made any decisions on um, what the makeup of that academy will be just yet. Good. That was a great overview. It sounds like the uh, tower is pretty much book solid for the next year. The academy is um, a, a valuable resource that has a high demand on it. And along with that, we do have plans for updating of the tower. We have some technology upgrades that are going in that were started by Chief FEDAC. And Chief McCann's trying to move those things along as well. So we, we do have a lot going on with rookie testing and things of that nature. So a lot of moving parts out there. And let me follow up one part of that. Um, firefighter paramedics. Um, can you just give a quick overview of, you know, different paramedic schools that we're sending people to and, and, and kind of the concept behind that and, and what's going on with the firefighter paramedic rank? Well, obviously, the firefighter paramedic rank for both EMS and the training are the are a focus for us to continue to provide every opportunity that we can for our workforce um, that is currently employed here at OCFA to have an opportunity to go to paramedic school. Um, Academy 53, um, Firefighter Paramedic Academy. That's a necessity for us to continue to bring folks in. It just takes a long time to manufacture, as we say, a paramedic out of a current OCFA employee. But that is our preferred method, is to use our firefighters and get them to paramedic school. So in doing that, we have um, several resources that we use. Um, we have Saddleback, 
College. Uh, we have OCEMT that are both here in Orange County. We also have and have used UCLA, uh, formerly Daniel Freeman, uh, in Los Angeles County. Um, and we, we do send people there occasionally. And in January, we're very hopeful um, that we'll be opening up to Palomar College. We did a survey of um, all of our firefighters who are not paramedics yet. Uh, we did the survey, I believe, almost a year ago now. And we looked at the locations where they live. And we have a couple people that still live in the L.A. County area. So UCLA is a good option for them. But our other largest um, influx of folks come from the San Diego and South Riverside, Southeast Riverside counties. So Palomar being down off the 15, I believe it's their Escondido campus, would be a great opportunity for folks that didn't want to do the commute every day into Orange County, i.e. Saddleback or OCEMT. So in January, they have a class starting. So for those of you that are thinking about paramedic school, you're getting off probation here. Um, January, we will be testing, excuse me, for January, probably in the month of October, November, we will be testing for January schools. And I think we're going to have all of the schools in play. So we'll have... Um, for sure, Saddleback, OCEMT, Palomar, and I believe UCLA also has a school all starting in January 2022. So that'll be um, a great opportunity for anybody that wants to go to medic school and uh, wants to have an opportunity to go someplace a little bit closer to home um, to do that. Um, we continue to pump out uh, opportunities as as many as we can. Um, to facilitate, um, obviously, the, the work demand on the firefighter paramedics, a tough one. And it's the, it tends to be the, the rank that gets hit pretty hard when fire season comes around because you, you have to replace a paramedic with a paramedic. And um, I think in working with Local 3631 and coming up with the work down um, process and policy, I think we've provided a good opportunity to provide a little bit of relief. Um, but again, um, the best, the best option is continue to hire quality folks that want to go to paramedic school and then give them an opportunity to, to go to paramedic school. Um, and that's what we're, that's what we're doing. Okay. Thanks for that, uh, overview, uh, Chief Black. And if you don't mind sticking around, I've just got a couple more, uh, questions here that I'm going to answer. And one of them will be right up your alley with the uh, cancer awareness. But, uh, I'm going to start with the uh, SOP review that we do every time. In discussion with the SOP on firing, Assistant Chief Johnson has taken it upon himself to, uh, update this. And actually it's not an update. We don't have a policy, uh, SOP on firing. So he's reached out to surrounding agencies, Forest Service, CAL FIRE, and he's putting together a firing policy that'll be uh, in our SOPs. Uh, it's in some of the final processes right now of approval, and uh, you'll see that soon. And the next topic uh, here under safety is the flash hoods. And I know I talked about flash hoods the last time on the podcast and that uh, we'd found the funding and we were going to get the new latest and greatest out to you guys. Uh, today is July 6th. The actual delivery of these start tomorrow, which is July 7th. So starting July 7th at each battalion headquarters, 
the service center will be reaching out and doing an exchange program and getting you guys the new latest and greatest. Um, a second thing I have here is the FGS update. And, and Chief Black, do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? And then I'll, I'll leave it with uh, the floor. Anything else you want to talk about cancer awareness and prevention? Sure. Thanks a lot. Um, uh, specifically on the new hoods, um, they're called a particulate hood. And they're, they've been shown through studies to um, keep any carcinogens and particulates further off of our skin. So they're um, a real good upgrade to us for um, the protection of our personnel. And as Chief um, Dossie mentioned, they'll be rolling out on the 7th. And um, the revised SOP, uh, UN 0207, is being revised right now. Um, that's the uh, maintenance SOP for all of our gear. Um, if, I, if I can, just along the Cancer Awareness and Prevention Program, um, as that's been assigned to me now, along with the hoods, we still have some other stuff we're working on. Um, we still have a cancer cohort study going on with the University of Arizona. As you all may remember, under um, Captain Hughes's um, guidance, um, we were uh, able to get involved in that. And we have a new cohort um, that has started, um, and that is for um, female firefighters. And um, we are also working on a um, uh, turnout contamination testing and cleaning program. We're putting that together as we speak. We've met a couple times with risk management and the service center to put together a program where we can test, clean, and retest our turnouts um, for various things, including asbestos and other chemical exposures that that may occur um, out there on the fire ground. Um, it's been a great collaborative effort with Local 3631. I appreciate their uh, willingness to work uh, work with me and to work with the department on, on all issues um, related to cancer, cancer awareness, cancer prevention. Um, it's uh, something very uh, close to my heart having had um, lives of people that I care greatly about touched in the fire service by cancer. And um, it's, uh, it's at the top of my list for um, things that I want to continue to push forward. Fireground survival um, continues on. We've been granted an extension of the program for completing it. So uh, we estimate that we'll be done um, with a few makeups by mid-October. And um, thanks to Chief Espinoza and Trevor Lazar for really taking the lead with certainly lots of help from other folks <clears throat> along the way um, to, to just making that a top quality program. Uh, we had the master instructor from Los Angeles City out last week, and he, he called our program and our setup out there uh, an FGS Disneyland. Um, he said it was just everything you could think of um, in an FGS program was there. And um, he, was, he was very, very pleased at the quality of the instruction as well as the quality of the layout. Um, and we are um, uh, coming up on halfway through our training of FGS. We're 
right around the 450 mark this week. Um, so we're just almost at the halfway point, and we'll be going full steam ahead, weather and other natural disasters um, permitting. We'll be steaming right ahead through the month of August and September. And as I mentioned, we'll be finishing up the middle of October. Great. Hey, I appreciate that. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, and listening and uh, and participating and, and really uh, giving some great insight to what we're, what we're doing here. Uh, as far as next uh, guest on the next show, I'm not really sure who that is yet. We're still uh, determining that. Um, but I want to f- end the podcast here with just a quick follow-up to last podcast. It was some questions that were asked, and I just want people to realize that we haven't forgot them or, or kind of where we are on the status. So the OC alert with staffing, uh, that is being looked at right now. Um, we think uh, that's like number two on IT's list to get some to get done. So that will be moving forward. The IMT vaccinations uh, with the county, the last time we talked about that ending, that is now officially done. The Station 22 manpower updates have all been approved and are moving forward for the ease of staffing there. And the USAR-6 dispatches and what they dispatch to, um, that's being revised and um, has been very, uh, it's, it's been a little harder than we thought initially, but we think we've got a really good plan moving forward with that. So I'll end uh, with the podcast with, I know you guys are doing a great job out there delivering service to you know almost 2 million people in our jurisdictions. Um, I appreciate what you guys do. Make sure you watch out for each other and remember your safety is uh, number one to us. Thanks.